Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Have You Seen That With T. It is your boy T with another dope pod to step to, and we are going to get right into it. We're in the swing of the summer, and this has been a pretty disappointing summer so far, in all honesty. A lot of the big movies have come and gone, um, and yeah, it's just not so much fun. Last week, I covered Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And I simply did not have a great time watching that movie. Um, it just has been a very lackluster um, summer affair so far. Uh, next week, we got the big one. We got Mission Impossible uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1. And I'm really excited about that movie. I'm really excited to see where they take Ethan and his team again. I wonder what national landmark or what uh, worldwide one of the seven wonders of the world are going to blow up and blame Ethan's team for and how he's going to clear his name by the end of the movie. But this is part one, so they're supposed to end it on a cliffhanger. So they will probably blow something up and the team will be framed for it and they'll be on the run going into Dead Reckoning Part 2. Um, but so far, you know, this summer we've had some, you know, we've had Fast X, we've had, uh, uh, you know, the gem of the summer being into the Spider-Verse. And now we're kind of getting into the lull of the summer until, you know, Mission comes. We had the Flash. That was a flash in the pan. It's been like one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. And the first movie I'm going to review, I reviewed about two weeks ago. And I ended up not uploading that podcast because I've been really terrible at um, my time management. So I've recorded the podcast and I actually talked about a lot of the Black Mirror episodes. And um, for some reason, I ended up not publishing that episode. And it was very uh, peculiar why uh, I never I didn't even go back and, and republish it or resend it out. Um, so now I'll just go ahead and talk about uh, the one movie I reviewed two weeks ago, No Hard Feelings, which is kind of um, the and it's really been done. It's really done pretty well at the box office. I will say my initial thoughts. Um, I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan of the movie. It was funny. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't. I, I felt the biggest thing about this movie is it was advertised incorrectly. Right. So it's advertised as this raunchy already comedy. And it is. It's a raunchy already comedy. Um, but it just was advertised as being a lot more slapstick funny. And there was a lot of physical comedy in it, but it just it really didn't just land. It didn't land with me. Um, in in no no hard feelings. We had Jennifer Lawrence playing this 30 something year old slacker who drives an Uber or drives a Lyft. I can't remember which company she was uh, shilling for in the movie. Um, but she ends up losing a car and that's her way of making money. And she's deep in the property tax debt. And in order to keep her house, she has to pay her taxes by the end of the summer. Um, and she ended up, she ends up finding an ad on Craigslist um, from some parents whose son is very socially awkward and they want to pay 20-something-year-old to date, quote-unquote, uh, their son um, and, and get him experienced before he goes off to Princeton because that's what his dad experienced. His dad met someone before he went to college, and she opened or she deflowered him and opened his eyes up to the real world. Um, so these parents... Um, they do the same thing with their son or they try to do the same thing with their son. So Jennifer uh, Lawrence comes in there and there's like this running joke about her age and all this other stuff. And you say all this, but Jennifer Lawrence still looks fairly young. Uh, she's still, I mean, she looks younger than me. So uh, I consider that fairly young. She's a very attractive young woman. But the way they kept playing this joke on her age, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, Matthew, Matthew Broderick and, and Lauren Bertani, uh, Bernanti uh, played the parents, and they were they were pretty funny. Every scene that they were in, they just reminded you of these like helicopter parents, these parents who um, were overbearing, and, and they were doing it out of like they were doing it from a good place. That's the thing with most parents; they're doing it from a good place, played their role uh, perfectly. And when it came to the awkward teen, it was uh, the. The actor's name was Andrew Barth Fellman, 
I like to do my reviews before reading and, and seeing other people's reviews because I like to be unfiltered, right? And there are a lot of people who applauded his performance as this awkward kid. Um, I, on the other hand, thought it was so wooden and so devoid. And, and, and maybe that, I mean, that probably was the purpose of how he portrayed the act, the, uh, the character. But this person, like, I, I kid you not, I remember I said this on, on the other podcast, and I said this in my review, at some point in time, like, I didn't know if this kid was going to, like, I, I didn't know if the movie was going to go left and we were going to find out he was a serial killer or something because it was just so awkward and his portrayal was so deadpan and so just subtly deranged in some sense to me. I don't know where I got that from. It was just some of his mannerisms. It just was like this kid could truly have some bodies, you know, buried in the you know basement of his parents' house. But uh, other than that, I mean, it was it was funny. It was raunchy. You know, it had the infamous beach fight scene in which Jennifer Lawrence was fully nude, um, fighting these teenagers on a beach. And and you know, in my review, I, I remember mentioning you know how off-putting it was or how like it was this comedy this raunchy comedy was kind of subverting all of our raunchy comedies right because in the 80s um we're just so used to seeing tna right that that was what we came here for at least that's what i came here for in the 80s i'm like this uh 10 year old uh you know late 80s early 90s i'm this you know prepubescent um, almost a teenager, uh, you know, going into my teens, I'm trying to find these movies, right? We used to get cable and, and you know, you had Skinamax and like I would stay up late and I watch all these up all night USA movies and the raunchy comedy that the Porkies of the world and, you know, Revenge of the Nerds even. Um, it was all raunchy, right? It, it, there were fully nude scenes in these movies that, you know, a lot of parents were watching with their kids. I remember watching Purple Rain for the first time. I think my mom rented it, and we all watched Purple Rain for the first time. And when Apollonia purified herself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka, I think my life changed that day, <laughs> in all honesty. And my mom was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe, like, you know, they're showing this. But that was the 80s. Like, like all of the movies had some type of, you know, unless it was rated G, like, in it was rated G and it was everything else, you know? Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, this movie was gratuitous because once again on the beach, she's fighting these dudes full bush, full, full tits out. And it was just in your face, but it wasn't like at all in any type of sexual way. Like it was, it was almost to subvert, uh, you know, her sexuality because the entire movie she was pushing, herself to be this sex fiend and this sex, you know, sexy creature trying to have sex with this this kid in order to win a Buick Regal or whatever the car was, which was so funny. Like, it wasn't even a new car. It was like this old 1990-something, you know, Buick. And it just, it, it, it just, like, that made me sad. That's why I didn't rate the movie as high as I wanted to because it was just depressing, right? If you're in your 30s, and like life does come at you fast, right? And, and and but it just was so sad. Like it was the old man in me. It was the dad in me. Like man, life really dealt her a bad hand because she's out here trying to sleep with this awkward kid to get a car, a beat up car at that. And I've seen people do it for worse. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've seen people do it for less. Uh, but just just the way they played it, and, and you know, it's every teenagers fan to have uh, or their dream to have Jennifer Lawrence, you know, coming on to them and their pet work, work working at a pet shelter when she comes in in a mini dress and in a mini skirt and all this other stuff. But it just it was the dad to me. Maybe I'm just too old for it now. And I see these girls as, as somebody's daughter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was just it just seemed so sad. Like towards the end I was like, man, these characters are pathetic. Like, and, and I felt bad for him more than I wanted to laugh. But no hard feelings. Like, it's making a lot of money. 
it is funny. Don't get me wrong. Like it is funny. It has some, it has a few uh, funny haha moments, but there's no real laugh out loud. Like all of the laugh out loud moments we've already seen in the trailers. So there was that. I think that was one of the biggest things was the fact that we saw all those funny haha moments in the trailer. Um, and there's some moments outside of the trailer, but not too many. You know, other than the beach scene, everybody in the theater was just sitting there like, whoa, this is really happening. Like, she's really running around, you know, beating people up. And her ditties are hanging out, and they're just flapping everywhere. It's pretty funny. Uh, but uh, anyways, you know, this was, and, and I saw a few articles talking about, you know, are the raunchy comedies back? Um, This isn't the boom period, right? Like, when Old School came out, that was the boom period of raunchy comedy, or, or I think uh, American Pie kind of brought it back, that teen raunchy comedy, where there was just like a string of raunchy comedies that, that followed because American Pie made a ton of money, Old School made a ton of money, like all of these movies. Um, there was like a renaissance there, right? The new Brat Pack with Will Ferrell, Owen, Owen um, Wilson, and, and uh, Vince, Vince Vaughn and those guys, like they did their thing. They had a good run. They had a really good run. Um, but I don't know if this is the start of a new uh, new renaissance, uh, you know, and this is a female-led movie, and the movie that I went and saw this week, Joyride, was also a female-led movie, and there was that rena- there was that moment in time where Bridesmaids came out, right, and we found out that women are funny, right, and there's the, I'm, I will not lie to you, um, I don't find a lot of women comics funny, right, I don't find Amy Schumer funny at all. I find Sarah Silverman slightly funny. Um, you know, all of the, the, you know, Adele, Adele Givens and Monique and like, they're funny in small doses. Like deaf, they're deaf comedy jam funny, right? Give them three minutes and they're gonna, you know, they're such a fucking lady, right? Like that's a good joke, but like you give them an hour, you're probably going to lose me. I watch Wanda Sykes and I think Wanda Sykes is hilarious in every movie she's in and every show she's in. But when you, when when she's in front of me for an hour, I just lose interest. I won't lie. Like I tried to watch some of her stand up and it's just not that funny to me. And it's not because women comics are not funny. We just have different sense of humors. That's just like I don't find a lot of these college, you know, stand up guys, you know, this what is the guy's name? Something Rife. Matt Rife, Mark Rife, I don't know his name. Uh, but everybody keeps talking. I, he's pretty funny, but he's not Bernie Mac funny. Like he's not Dave Chappelle funny. And, and I mean, those are two extreme examples of like comic legends. Uh, but he's not even D.L. Hughley funny. And I didn't find D.L. Hughley that funny, um, you know, honestly, up until recently. Um, but like they bridesmaids was hilarious like bridesmaids is one of the funniest movies um you know you could make and it just so happened to star film uh star women so in this latest movie that i just went and saw joyride i went and saw that uh two days ago or actually yesterday i'm sorry i went and checked that out yesterday and uh this is a a asian cast um the majority of the cast is Asian. Um, it's kind of a, a girl's trip slash bridesmaids, you know, slash crazy rich Asians, um, you know, updated, right? It's it's a updated all of those things, right, for the year 2023. And this movie stars, um, what do we got here? This movie stars Ashley Park, Stephanie Sue. Uh, from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, we had Sabrina Wu and Sherry Cola. And yes, her name is Sherry Cola, like Sherry, not Cherry, but Sherry with an S, uh, Cola, uh, who star in this movie about four friends or four women um, who are traveling across Asia trying to find the tit, uh, you know, the main character, Ashley Park. She plays Audrey Sullivan, and she's in, she's adopted, right? And her and Sherry Cola play uh, plays the character of Lolo, and Lolo and Sher- uh, and uh, Audrey are friends from the first time they meet each other because they're the only two Asians in their community. They 
they they live in a place called White Hills, uh, which is kind of a running joke in itself. Um, this very white, small American town. And, you know, they're, they're the only two Asians there and they become friends, right? They grow up as best friends. They end up living together. Lolo is a slacker. Audrey is the... Um, Audrey is the lawyer, and she has to go to China to close on a business deal, right? And, of course, they send her to China because she is the Asian representative of this law firm. Um, and she goes to close this business deal, and, of course, it goes sideways. Um, right before they take the trip, they find a picture of her adopted mom, and her friend says, you know what, let's go find your adopted mom, and through some hijinks and uh, hilarity, they kind of get forced. They kind of get backed into the corner of having to go find the adopted mom in order to close this business deal. So where Stephanie Sue and Sabrina Wu come into play is uh, Sabrina Wu plays the character named Deadeye. Her real name is Vanessa, but everybody calls her Deadeye. And she's this very so socially awkward, um, you know, K-pop loving character. Um, and she's pretty funny in the movie. I think she's like one of the funnier uh, characters in the movie. And uh, Stephanie Sue plays Cat, and she's like a super famous actor actress in China. And those four get together and go on a road trip or go on a girl's trip in order to find the adopted mother. And, of course, uh, if you've seen the trailer, there's a scene where they go on a train and this drug dealer this this like unassuming 20-something-year-old backpacking-looking uh, American girl gets them uh, caught up in her little drug ring. And, and meanwhile, she ends up stealing their passports. So they're traveling all over China with no passports, trying to find this girl's adopted mother. Um, and, they, and, you know, they're like hitchhiking. They're trying to figure out a way to get there. And all of these different travel, um, you know, scenarios just lead to hijinks right and there's so much crude sex humor in this in this movie um i always just think that's funny when the sex humor is like female-led because you know we're always meant you know we're always the guys are always the one in these movies who are just like these horny uh you know can't control their urges creatures but in the in this movie it's the opposite you know it's these four females they all have their want needs and they're going to get them met however, you know, however they have to. And it's just funny. The first half of the movie, I would say, though, wasn't that funny. The first half was really hard to get into. And that's why I really can't give it like a really glowing endorsement because it took a while to get to the funny. Right. They had to give this backstory of them in America and them becoming friends and we had to kind of see that extent of their friendship. The character Lolo just, I swear to you, I know this character was written for Aquafina. Like, I feel like she is Aquafina. Like, the entire movie, it's like, is this person really Aquafina? Like, young Aquafina. Like, the, the you know, just every, everything about her just sounded like Aquafina to me. Um, it was like they wanted to cast her, but now she's with Marvel and she don't have time to do little movies like Joyride. Um, so it, it just the beginning of the movie just started off real slow. We're getting introduced to the characters and it just wasn't working for me. And it wasn't until they started on their journey to find a mother, which is kind of comes midway into the second act where it just picks up and it gets really funny because that's when a you know, crude humor gets dialed up to 11. And it there's just some really funny scenes involving, you know, uh, uh, sex toys and all this other craziness. Like, it's all, it's all like this crude sex humor. Not too vulgar. They're not showing anything. This isn't like an 80s movie where there's just TNA everywhere. Um, but it, it just implies a lot, right? And that, that to me in itself is funny, right? Uh, where they're just talking about it. And there was one extremely showing scene that I will not spoil here in this podcast because you haven't had two weeks uh, to ingest the movie. Uh, but it it just kind of turns everything on its head. Uh, but, you know, all of the characters have their, you know, have their, their strong suits and all of the characters kind of bring their A game and they're all funny in their own certain type of way. 
which makes the movie work, right? The friendship dynamic, how all of them are so totally different, but they're all the same at the same time, makes it work. The third act really closes, the, the ending of the movie closed really strong. Um, you know, there's a really heartfelt scene at the end of the movie where I was holding back tears. Um, you know, that's how deep the movie got. It was funny until it got to the part, you know, uh, of meeting the adopted mother uh, that definitely was so much hard in there. Uh, which kind of brought the movie up. Like, I think the movie's beginning wasn't that great. The middle got really good, and the ending was a very, very solid ending, which which definitely, you know, I can endorse the movie for. And I just love, I love diversity, right? I love seeing everybody get their movie. Make your movie, right? It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't all have to be encompassing. It doesn't have to be an all-black movie. It doesn't have to be an all-white movie. It doesn't have to be an all-Latino movie. Uh, you know, make your movie, have, give everybody a chance to make their movie. Hopefully this movie does well. I think it sets itself up for a sequel if necessary. Um, but this movie definitely stands on its own. Um, so Joyride, I definitely do endorse Joyride. Um, it's in theaters now and it just was a fun, like I thought it was a fun movie. It's a funny movie. Um, I think if you are Asian, you probably find a lot of the jokes a lot funnier. Um, there's a lot of stereotypical Asian jokes in there, um, I think, for us to ingest. But I think it's, you know, the 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 writer, director, um, you know, she's an Asian woman. And I think, you know, they were poking fun at themselves. They were poking fun at their their own stereotypes, which black people do all the day, all the time, you know. Uh, and, and I think if you are Asian, you'll probably find it a little bit funnier than I did. If you're a woman, you probably find it a lot funnier than I did. But I still found it very funny. I, I found it very entertaining. I definitely enjoyed Joyride. Um, a little bit less than, than I thought I would. I thought it would just be laugh out loud funny from the second it started. I did start off really slow, and I think that's what hurt the movie um, a, a little bit in my rating. But you just definitely go out and, and, and watch it. You know, definitely go out and see it if you have the time. Um, the last movie I'll review for this week, I literally just saw the preview this morning. Um, and I was like, oh, I gotta watch this. You know, I saw I get these these messages whenever Netflix drops new content, you know, new season of Lincoln Lawyer just dropped, and I see this thing for the outlaws. And I'm like, what well, is the outlaws? I don't wanna watch that. I don't wanna watch another biker movie or something, you know, some Sons of Anarchy type stuff. And boy, I was wrong, right? So I ended up uh, watching a preview, and this movie stars Adam Devine. It stars um, Nina Dobroff, um, Pierce Brosnan, and Ellen Barkin. And, and little known fact, I've had a crush on Ellen Barkin probably since the '80s. Um, like, uh, and she still looks good for age. Uh, I think she's probably in her 70s now, 60s, 70s, uh, but uh, still looks good for age. Uh, Ellen Barkin. Yeah, once I, once, once I saw she was playing somebody's mom in the movie, I was like, all right, I got to watch this. Um, and it stars Pierce Brosnan as well. Michael Roker shows up in this movie, and I love me some good Michael Roker. Uh, I wish he was in The Last Guardians. Um, but, yeah, uh, so The Outlaws, um, Pierce Brosnan, and uh, oh, I'm sorry, let's set this up. Adam Devine and Nino Dobroff are young couple about to get married, and Adam Devine plays this really nerdy bank manager. And Nina Dobroff is a yoga instructor who's Adam Devine's parents keep calling her a stripper, which I found hilarious. I don't know why. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Piers Brosnan and, and Ellen Barkin plays uh, Nina Dobroff's parents who, you know, pop up for their wedding or pop up right before their wedding. And they finally, you know, Adam Devine's finally meeting uh, the parents. And... Come to find out, the parents are bank robbers. They go and rob Adam Devine's bank uh, because the day before he kind of told them all about the security system. So they go rob his bank the next day. Come to find out, they're in the hole for you know five million dollars to this to this gangster who is greatly played by the mom uh, <laughs> and never have I ever. I'm about to say her name, but I don't want to destroy it. Porna Jaganathan. Ah, that wasn't that hard. Porna. 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 
Porna, I'm going to say that one more time, Porna Jaganathan. Jagan Nathan. Uh, and she is just, she's hilarious in this movie. She's playing the, the, the gangster that they're in the hole with. Uh, she has like a, I don't know if she has, I don't know what accent she was going for there, but it wasn't an Indian accent. Like, uh, it wasn't an, Indian, I, that's, that's all I know. It wasn't an Indian accent. Um, I did a little research. She's from Tunisia. So I don't know what her accent, I, I don't want to insult anyone by saying a nationality and she wasn't trying to do that, but she might've been a Tunisian gangster, who knows, right? So uh, she plays the big bad in this movie and she's just funny. Every scene she's done, <laughs> every scene that you know she's in, she's uh, uh, pretty much trying to flirt, not even trying to flirt with Piers Brosnan, like she's trying to fuck Piers Piers Brosnan, like every scene, she's like saying all these like dirty things to him because, you know, it's Piers Brosnan, right? He's this older, very attractive guy and everybody just is so attracted to him throughout the movie and they play on to that. It's like this older silver fox type dude who everybody just, he smells good and he just looks great for his age and, and every scene she's just like, and uh, everybody's hitting on him, even though Ellen Barkin plays his wife, she's right there, right? Everybody's hitting on him which I just thought was funny. Like, it was just these little subtle things. Um, and they ended up, uh, she ends up kidnapping. Uh, Nina Dobrovsky ends up getting kidnapped. So Adam Devine and the parents have to go rob a bank in order to get this $5 million so they don't kill the daughter, right? And that's where hilarity and hijinks ensues. And where this movie works, it just knows what it is, right? It, it knows what it is. It's not, it's not, a sophisticated highbrow comedy. It is definitely an already raunchy comedy, right? There's so many sex jokes and they're playing up, uh, you know, on just all these different stereotypes and, and like uh, Adam Devine's parents are these nerdy parents who end up being like, uh, come to find out they're like these closet freaks. And it's just, it's just funny, right? Every, every little funny gag to me works. And maybe because I had no idea that this movie existed until right now, maybe if I had a, you know, expectation on it, it might not have met him, but I love going into movies that I have no expectations, right? I literally saw the preview and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go watch this, you know, and I watched it and I thought it was funny. It, Little Rel was in it. Um, and Little Rel, I'm tired of you being the best friend, right? You, he's the great, he might be the greatest best friend, uh, you know, best friend sidekick in all of Hollywood and all of movie history. Little Rel Howery might go down is the greatest six man of all time. Like he's like the Lou Williams. He's like the, the you know, Jamal Crawford uh, of movies when it comes to just being a great sidekick. But come on, man, you're better than that. I, I think you deserve more than that. I love seeing you as a sidekick though, but I think it's time. Yeah, it's time, buddy. It's time. And, and don't get me wrong. Get them checks, right? I know they paying. So get them checks. Keep getting them checks. Uh, but man, Save the save the sidekick role for somebody else. Get get hey, we need to start giving little Rel Howry some star roles, right? He needs to be the leading man. He can do it. Vacation Friends was funny. He can be a leading man. He doesn't always have to be the funny sidekick, you know, the the best friend and all that good stuff. Let's get little how little Rel some big roles, some star roles. And back to and back to the movie. Um yeah. It was, I thought it was a great, funny, raunchy, R-rated movie. Uh, definitely gets an endorsement from me. It's on Netflix. So definitely, if you have a chance, check it out. And, and last night, like, uh, speaking of streaming, right, these, these things just pop up on streaming, right? Last night, I found out that Kevin Hart had a new stand-up special out, right? It just popped up. Yesterday was Kevin Hart's birthday, a whole new season of Heart to Heart popped up in this stand-up special where Kevin Hart popped on as well, and I fell asleep on it. And that says a lot about Kevin Hart and his comedy. I just didn't think this one was funny, that funny. Uh, I don't. I didn't think the last one was that funny either. I think we've kind of... It's like rappers grow out of being that hustler, right? Like Jay-Z can't rap about, you know, Can I Live, you know, 22 twos, like all of this uh, you know, can't stop, can't knock the hustler. Like all of those old Jay Z records still hit, 
But like he can't rap about that stuff no more. You rich. Like you can't rap about being a hustler. You can't rap about, you know, having a call. Uh, you know, the the National Guard that they call the National Guard on like all all them old Jay Z lyrics don't uh they don't apply anymore. Right now, four four four, you rapping about, you know, generational wealth and stuff like that because that's where he's at in life. And that's what I feel about Kevin Hart, right? Like, I feel like, man, you rich. Like, and don't get me wrong, you can still be funny, but his brand of funny, like, he's not Chris Rock. Chris Rock is very, uh, he he talks about, like, current events and news topics, and he turns them, like, Kevin Hart, his his jokes are his family. Like, his jo- jokes are his life stories, right? You know, the all right, all right, all right, his dad's stories. Like, that's that's where his funny is. And, you know, his jokes are his kids and, and like now that they've gotten older, he's gotten older, it just doesn't hit the same to me. Um, but yeah, like that's a new, that's some new content. And I'm going to finish watching it. I, I, I don't want to completely bash it until I finish it. Uh, so I'll probably fin- finish watching it today. Um, but before I do that, we're going to jump into a list. We got another list this week and we're going to jump into my 10 my top 10 raunchy R-rated comedies, right? All three movies that I reviewed today were all R-rated. They were all raunchy, considered raunchy comedies. And that's really hard to define what you consider a raunchy comedy, right? I consider a raunchy comedy anything in which I end up seeing somebody's naked boobs or bush. Like as they say in Revenge of the Nerds, that was like one of the biggest things growing up in, in the 80s. Uh, they, we weren't really uh, grooming back then uh, there was definitely an infamous scene in the original revenge of the nerds that i went back and watched a few months ago boy that movie is problematic <laughs> like if you go back and watch the revenge of the nerds right now boy that it doesn't get made in 2023 it did the, the revenge of the nerds doesn't exist in this day and time but yeah, it's like a full frontal nudity scene, you know, girl running out of her uh, of her uh, dorm room because they do a panty raid in the middle of the uh, of the of the night. And that's that was cool. That's what frat boys do, I guess. Top 10 raunchy R-rated comedies. Um, and all of these movies don't have TNA, right? Not uh, Half of these movies don't have TNA, but they're just adult comedies, right? They're just comedies that you don't want your child under the age of probably 18 or 19 to watch, in all honesty. But I got a few honorable mentions, right? And a lot of these 80s movies, like Revenge of the Nurse, they just don't hold up, right? And it's not because they're problematic. problematic. It's just because... The comedy just got more sophisticated. The writing got better. Like, it, they just don't hold up. Like, one of my favorite, I don't even know if Police Academy was R-rated, but that was considered a raunchy comedy, right? There's a scene where they're running through, you know, uh, the the guy who's supposed to be Puerto Rican or the guy who's supposed to be, uh, you know, the player, the Latin player, ends up being a regular white guy from from <laughs> from the suburbs, which I thought was funny. And, you know, him and Mahoney were just running through all the girls in, in the police academy. And there's like the infamous scene where the girl's giving a, a Commandant Lassard head under the table as he's giving a speech. Like, <laughs> like that's 80s raunchy comedy, right? Another one of my favorite uh, honorable mention uh, raunchy comedy, Porky's, right? It all started, I felt like it all started with Porky's, right? It was, That was like, you know, the shower scene where like the... the they're peeping at the girls in, in in gym class, and it's like typical toilet, immature, prepubescent humor at its finest. Right as a kid, I thought it was oh my, oh man, they're showing these girls in the locker room like that. That's me as a young kid, right? I get it. It's probably me still to this day. You know, I don't want to see high school girls in 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 you know in the bathrooms, but. Uh, yeah, like you still, we're st- I'm still a guy, right? And I'm going to say I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a guy, I'm still a dude. Uh, another honorable mention, American Pie. Like, and, and you have to think, if American Pie doesn't make this list, 
then this has to be a good list because American Pie was a great, like for its time, it was a great movie, right? The whole, one of the funny tropes of those movies were the pack, right? Oh, we got to make a pack in order to, one of us is going to get laid or all of us, we're going to make a pack so we all get laid. I just thought that was so corny. That's that's such a, (laughs) like that's such a, a, I don't even want to say what I want to say. But yeah. Uh, American Pie, that's one of my honorable mentions. Uh, How to Be a Player. Like, How to Be a Player is high on a lot of my list. I think that's one of the most underrated, funny movies of all time. Pierre, like, I think Pierre, I always thought Pierre was so funny, and I just, I don't know why he never blew up more than he did. Um, Maybe it was, like, I've listened to some of his podcasts, and, like, he speaks his mind. Maybe that was it. But Bill Bellamy, Pierre, man, that was such a funny movie. Uh, such a funny movie, How How to Be a Player. And the last movie, one of my honorable mentions, and it, it probably should have made my list, Project X. Project X is one of the most underrated movies of all time. Like, it's a party movie. I don't really consider it a raunchy comedy. I don't even know if it was R-rated. I think it was rated PG-13, but then I saw an unrated version um, I bought the unrated DVD, uh, which really uh, amped it up to 11. Uh, but Project X is such a fun movie. It, it's like, it, that's actually like, I dreamed that I would go to a party as a teenager uh, like Project X, right? Everybody just having a great time and just, just wilding out, right? Stuff like that didn't happen in New York City, by the way. We had a little house parties, but nothing like Project X, right? Well, they're like burning the whole neighborhood down. But anyways, let's jump into the top 10, right? And my number 10 uh, is actually a three-way tie uh, because I love a good road trip movie, right? And that's in the the name, right? Road trip, right? Euro trip and sex drive. Those three like fish out of the water, group of teens driving across country or driving across Europe, um, you know, driving across America, or driving across Europe uh, and just getting in all these different hijinks. All of the movies are really in pursuit of one dude having sex with his girlfriend. Like Eurotrip, the guy travels to Europe to meet the girl he meets online. Sex Drive, the guy's driving, traveling across the states to, in order to meet the girl he met online. Road Trip, I can't, I can't even remember. Uh, oh no, the guy's girlfriend, like he let, like sent her a crazy video and he's trying to stop the video, her from seeing a video of him like cheating on her or something crazy like that. I think it was the premise of road trip, but all of them had these crazy characters. The Scotty didn't know sex drive had James Marston playing the brother who was like a closeted guy who would always just joke on his brother being gay. And he ended up being gay at the end of the movie. Uh, and they just had all of these, like, uh, they always had a female best friend who ended up being, like, you know, in Eurotrip and Sex Drive, they had, like, the female best friend who was highly attractive, by the way. Like, like I, maybe I'm just, I've never uh, been able to have, like, a female best friend that I tell everything that I'm literally not trying to hit on all the time. Like, I don't understand how you do that. Or they just don't see them as being attractive when they're just super attractive. Like, they, these weren't, like, these, uh, you know, uh, unattractive people. Like, they're best friends, and they will always have the one scene in the movie where they dress up, and everybody's like, oh, man, oh, you look so hot. It's like, dude, I look like this every day. <laughs> like, 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 they just see it at one time, and then it, it finally clicks in their brain that they've had, like, this super attractive best friend the entire time. Uh, but that was Euro Trip and Sex Drive, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, like that. Those are my number tens. Like they, they're all interchangeable. They're all the exact same movie, different gags. You know, DJ Qualls and Road Trip, uh, with the big girl at the black fraternity. Hilarious. Like it, hilarious. You know, Scotty didn't know and Euro Trip. Hilarious. Uh, Sex Drive was just overall funny. Miss March. That's another one. Uh, kind of that whole road trip vibe. Um, number nine is Bridesmaids. Once again, Bridesmaids is a, just a monumental comedy for so many different reasons, right? It launched the career of a, uh, of Melissa McCarthy. That was like the first time 
uh, people saw Melissa McCarthy, um, and and she just blew up from that movie because she was hilarious in that movie. Um, you know, Ellie Kemper was in the movie. Um, my 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 secret crush, Maya Rudolph. I don't. I, I'm just in love with that woman. I all probably always will be. Uh, and then Kristen Wiig, like it's just a funny, funny movie. The bride, the scene in the the bridal dress store when they all have food poisoning, like you just, like I remember laughing so hard watching that scene in itself because I was like, "There's no way!" And she's walking across the street. Oh man, like it just. <laughs> oh man, and I kept thinking like, "Oh, they got to be rich because they're gonna have to pay for all of that." But yeah, it was just a funny, funny movie. Bridesmaids was hilarious. Number eight on my list, Super Bad. Right, Super Bad was just was just every. I mean, from the beginning to the end of that movie, it was just funny. It was just all these different characters would just pop up, and they were all funny. Like Seth Seth Rogen popping up as the cop. Like you had a young Jonah Hill. You had Michael Sarah, and you had Mick Lovin. I, Christopher Mintz Platt, I think that's his name. Uh, like just iconic McLovin, the iconic name, iconic character. Uh, just a funny movie. Emma Stone, like, come on, man. In no world does Emma Stone, I don't care. Like, I don't care how funny you are. In no world does, does Jonah Hill ever get with Emma Stone, right? It just doesn't happen. Like, it shouldn't happen in any universe. Uh, super bad, just a funny movie. Um, you know, that was and, and that was just one of those movies that kind of brought back the teen comedies, right? Because you have the periods, you had the American pop period where there were just a ton of teen comedies out there. And then it kind of went away because they just, like the ideas were just stale and they were just regurgitating the same story. And then Superbad came out and it just was funny, right? Um, number seven on my list, Kingpin. Now, this movie completely came out of left field to me. In no world did I ever want to watch a movie about bowling. Right? I just, no, no, don't want to do it, never want to do it. And I remember seeing, I think I, I think I saw behind the scenes on it. And I was like, oh, man, like Woody Harrelson was funny on Cheers. Like he was funny in Cheers. Uh, Bill Murray, always funny, funny in Ghostbusters, always a funny guy, but I was like, nah, these two guys are not gonna, Randy Quaid, funny in, in small doses, right? Um, and I was like, I don't want to see a movie with these three guys in it. And I end up seeing a behind the scenes and it was like a few funny scenes. And I think this was on ESPN. Um, and I was like, all right, well, let me watch the movie. I went and rented this movie. That's how long ago it was. And I remember laughing hysterically from the very beginning of the movie, like a, a guy bowling and hustling like bowling. Don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure that happens all the time. But it was just, it was so far-fetched, like in Munson, like getting Munson and like, oh man, so many iconic lines from this movie. Like everybody in this movie brought their complete, an utter A game, Woody Harrelson, like Renaissance performance by Woody Harrelson with the bad hair and Bill Murray. Oh my God. It just was funny. You know, it, everything was just funny in this movie. Every, every scene, like I, I don't think there was a bad scene in Kingpin. It just all was funny. Uh, and once again, it's really hard to rate these movies because like where I was in my life when I watched Kingpin from the first time, it was just like a revelation on how funny a movie could be. Number six on my list, The Wedding Crashers, right? I went into The Wedding Crashers. I would never, once again, like all of these movies, they're just specific times in my life, right? And I remember there was a time where I would we would deploy. And while we were on deploying, this is when I, when I, First found out about Vita Guerrera. Uh, we used to buy Maximum FHM magazines, right? That was like a deployment thing. They would have those in the PX and all these little shopettes and stuff. And that you're deployed, you're away from, you know, and, and over in the Middle East, like you are 
it is forbidden to watch pornography. It's forbidden. Uh, if you get caught with pornography, you can go to jail. Um, and if you get caught with pornography on military bases, um, you will get your rank taken. Infamous story. Um, there was a guy that I knew. We would have room inspections. Funny, funny story before I talk about uh, the wedding crashers. Uh, funny story. A uh, guy that I worked with, I had, I, like, I remember I in process Fort Bliss with him. And I thought he was just a squared away sergeant, right? Real, real, like, he he was the guy I would go to if I had problems, right? I, I would go to him for, like, mentorship and stuff like that. And because he just seemed squared away, and he always gave me a solid answer, right? So this guy, we were deployed. This was right before OIF kicked off. This was in 2003. Um, you're, you're not allowed to have pornography, right? And this is before everybody had a laptop. This is before, like, the internet boom, right? So we still have VHS tapes. Um, and people had VHS VHS tapes sent to them or they brought them with them uh, that were pornos, right? And infamously, there was we had some that were floating around called Dragon Ball. They had Dragon Ball Z on the cover, but they were adult films. And they would pass them around because once again, we're like we were over there for what 11, 12 months. We didn't know when we were coming home. Like we didn't, everybody didn't have a, a you know, a girlfriend over there. Everybody didn't have somebody they could love. Um, so you had FHM, you had Maxim, and you had, you know, Dragon Ball Z for lack of better terms. And this guy, he had tapes in his room. And my roommate had this tape. He had fried, like you, the key was to put a, the most non unassuming title on the tape to make sure nobody but you ever watched it. So in my room, we had a movie, Fried Green Tomatoes. There's no soldier on this planet who's going to go into your room and be like, oh, I want to watch a movie. Let's watch Fried Green Tomatoes. No. No, we would get teased for that other than people wanting to watch it. But this guy had study guide written on his tape. Now, we have, they had, back in the day, they had audio cassettes to help you study for the promotion board. There were no VHS tapes, though. There are DVDs now, probably, but there were no VHS tapes of Study Guide, and he had it written in big words, too, Study Guide, Study Guide. So uh, they did a room inspection, and it just so happened they did an unannounced room inspection. They were trying to find contraband or something like that. They thought that people were sneaking alcohol, which was also illegal over there. Um, they thought people were sneaking alcohol into the room, so they did an unannounced room inspection. And um, he happened to be in his room, I think, I think, because uh, he was in a different unit. But the story goes, um, our command sergeant major, all of the first sergeants are doing this inspection of people's rooms. And they go into his room, and they're like, oh, man, study guide on tape. I ain't never seen nothing like that. Oh, we got to watch it. First Sergeant, did you hear it? Do you know there was a VHS of study guide? And uh, and of course, they popped it in and, and they heard it popping like they boy. And that guy got busted. He ended up being my soldier and he ended up being one of the worst soldiers I've ever had in my life. Uh, probably because he just gave up at that point because they, you know, took his rank. He was promotable at the time. You know, he ended up being a terrible, terrible soldier. Uh, you know, for so many different reasons. Uh, but yeah, I, re I remember that story and I just, man, it's like, dude, why are you so dumb? But back to my, <laughs> back to Wedding Crashers. The reason why the Wedding Crashers even came on my radar was because I was reading an FHM magazine. I was back in the States um, and, and I still read FHM, right? They were always these, you know, the bikini models and stuff like that. Don't judge me. Um, but there was an actress who was in the wedding crashers and she was on the cover of FHM or maximum, whichever magazine it was. Um, she was on a cover and I was like, Oh, she's in the wedding crashers. She looks great. And she was talking about her nude scene. And I was like, Oh, nude scene. I'm here for it. She, I mean, very attractive. I can't remember her name to save my life. She was a British actress and it was, 
I was like, oh, she's going to be nude in the wedding crashes. I got to go see that. And not to say it wasn't, I probably wasn't going to go see it anyway, but that just, like, it had already been out a few weeks, and I was like, let me go catch this movie. And boy, oh boy, that was one of the funniest movies I think I've ever seen. They're just quotable, you motorboat and son of a bitch. Like, there are just so many quotes from the wedding crashes, you know, we do... <laughs> We do football and crab cakes like Bradley Cooper. Oh my gosh. Like the wedding, Isla Fisher. Oh, oh man. Like just such a funny movie. Like that was the the brat, the new brat pack with uh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, like playing like Will Ferrell with one of the greatest cameos of all times. You know, Ma the Meatloaf. Like it just was funny. Like, it, it was so, like, one of those movies where you're just in a the theater, I mean, just side, my side was hurting laughing, you know, like, it was just that funny to me. Like, it was, it, once again, it's not humor for everybody. There are a lot of people who don't think The Wedding Crashes is funny, and maybe we just have different tastes in humor. Uh, but, man, I thought it was so funny. It was such a funny movie. Uh, you know, with the mom, like, oh, man, like, the family, the son who drawed, like, the <laughs> like Christopher Walken, like everything about that movie just hits. And the fact that it's number six on my list says so much about the other movies on my list. Like every single one of these movies is somebody's number one. Like every, all of the top, my top 10 movies are somebody's number one. Maybe not Euro Trip, maybe not Road Trip or Sex Drive, but Bridesmaids, somebody number one. Super Bad, somebody's number one. Kingpin is somebody's number one. The Wedding Crashes is somebody's number one. Number five, 40 Year Old Virgin. Like, man, Ro Re Romy Malco, Remy Malco, whatever, however you say his name, one of the funniest characters. Uh, like Steve Carell, I hadn't, I hadn't watched The Office at that point, right? I, I didn't watch The Office till many years later. I want to say like when they were in season five, I think that's when I started, or season four, that's actually when I started watching Office. So I knew nothing of Steve Carell. I knew he starred in Office, like, uh, but he wasn't the name that he is now. You know, he didn't become a 40-year-old virgin made him that way. You know, um, what a funny, what a funny story, right? You take the title in itself, it was like, this shouldn't be funny. Like, this is not gonna be funny, but every bit. You know, every, every bit, like, it just all works. Like, that, it just all works. And it works because Steve Carell just makes you believe that he is this goofy, goofy dude. And, like, the whole Seth Rogen crew, you know, Paul Rudd, all of those guys, that was their renaissance, right? That was their time where they just, everything they did was funny, you know, knocked up, um, you know, This Is 40 and stuff like that, that whole crew, uh, put together some classic comedies, but 40 year old Virgin just was, oh man, like it did just some iconic scenes in there, you know, the waxing, uh, there's one scene where the girl, like where the girl throws up on him in the back, oh my gosh, it just, <laughs> that's like, like, oh man, and then when he finally does at the end, they go into the age of Aquarius, it just, yeah, just a funny movie. Funny, funny, funny movie. Number four on my list, I don't know if this would really be considered a raunchy comedy more than a stoner comedy, but it's still one of the top, like one of my top 10 comedies, period. Super Troopers. Super Troopers, Farva, like the whole Broken Lizard crew. Like I have, I never finished watching Quasi. They kind of lost me after Club Dread. Bear Fest is another one of my favorites. But Super Troopers, Super Troopers 2 was pretty funny too, but the original Super Troopers is just like, it, it's comic genius. Like everything about it shouldn't work. It shouldn't be funny. Nobody went and saw it in the theaters, unfortunately. I didn't know what it was. Like that was a bad thing. I didn't know what it was. Like when I finally saw it, I just remember being in tears laughing because of the leader of cola like it's little jokes like that that just do it for me and it just was so funny you know i want a mustache ride the the four couple like, just, 
good times, right? It, like a lot of these movies, they not might not be a cup of tea, but they're just like they were just moments in my life that I, I just remember so fondly watching for the first time these movies. Um, number three on my list, The Hangover. Once again, a movie that came out of nowhere. I went and saw The Hangover because of the trailer with Mike Tyson, right? When I saw Mike Tyson knock that dude out in the trailer, I was like, I have to go see this movie. Have to go see the movie, right? And I just, I thought it was, I didn't think it was going to be funny. I thought we were just getting a bunch of of comedies that were just not funny. Um, And The Hangover Rob Riggle's scene with the poli- oh my gosh when they shot when they when they tase Zach da- Galifianakis I laughed so hard I think I almost peed in my pants like it was so funny like that scene in itself where the little kid stands up and tase oh my gosh little moments like that the the scene with Mike Tyson when he knocks the dude out like. It, it came out of nowhere. I forgot that the scene was even in the movie as I was watching the movie. And when they walked in the house and he was playing the piano or he was like he was in front of that piano, I literally busted out laughing because it was just like, where does Mike Tyson come from? Like, how did he miss the child? Like, oh, everything about the hangover, the original hangover, part two and three was the worst. Three should never have been made. Part two was funny, but... Man, Ed Helm was hilarious. Bradley Cooper is hilarious. He should do more comedy. Uh, Zach Galifianakis, bless him. Like, he he had his run. I'm glad his run is over. Uh, but th- just funny. Just a funny, hilarious movie. Came out of nowhere. It made so much money in the theaters, uh, as it should have, because it it's, a, it's a classic. Number two on my list old school. And I had a real hard time figuring out, you know, my one and my two. Uh, old school, I went and saw that in the theater day one. And it just was so funny. Like, Luke Wilson, the the less funny of the two Wilson brothers, uh, held his own against Will Ferrell, you know, uh, Vince Vaughn. Um, they just were funny the scene you know frank the tank one of the most iconic characters ever put on film you know we're going streaking you know we're going streaking like it just snoop a loop like (laughs) everything about this movie just hits it's i once again uh, you know, this the I don't think there's that much tea in there. Oh yeah, they do have the scene with Blue where he dies within it like naked jello wrestling or something. Like every adult really like they latch on, like that that kind of hits you like you want it to be a fr- you know, you wanted to be in that fraternity if you were an adult. You wanted to be the godfather. And of course he didn't want to be a, the godfather and 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 going back and watching that movie, I did not realize uh, that Meredith Grey was in that movie. She looks so young. I don't. And the bad thing is, I know her name, but I associated her with I associated her so much with Meredith Grey, Meredith Grey from Grey's Anatomy. Um, man, I, like she looked so young in that. I've been watching Grey's Anatomy so long. Like she's older now. It's been on like what twenty years almost. But yeah, like she was in that movie and such a funny movie. Elijah Cuthbert, she was in that movie. Uh, playing, you know, he ends up sleeping with a high school. Man, what craziness. Like just a crazy movie. Uh, everything about that movie was funny. Like just a classic. Comedy classic. And my number one movie. So there was a girl who lived down the hall from me. And it was her birthday. And she's like, man, I don't have anything to do on my birthday. You know, we're both in, we both lived in the barracks. I said, man, let's go, let's go watch a movie. You know, I went to AIT with her. I said, let's go watch a movie. And we went and watched something about Mary. And the, I literally fell out of my seat laughing. Like there were there, there are funny movies, and then there's something about Mary. Now, maybe it's not as funny now as it was back then. But the first day I went and saw it, 
it was so funny. Everything, like Ben Stiller's comedies don't really hold up like they used to. Like it's, it's, as the young kids say, it's cringy now. Like I, like I remember feeling uncomfortable because he always plays these uncomfortable characters who get beat up so much, like mentally and emotionally, that you feel so sorry for him. Um, but in something about Mary, like Cameron Diaz was at her height. Matt Dillon played one of the funny characters, like uh, Glenn, the the guy who played like trying to be a paraplegic. Come to find out, he was a pizza delivery guy. And then the Brett Favre icing on the cake at the top of the movie, where ex boyfriend ends up being Brett Favre. You know, Frank's and being like Keith David. Like the scene where he gets <laughs> the prom scene, like comedy genius. Like, I mean, just iconic. The Fairly Brothers, iconic comedy. Like something about Mary is definitely like, and, and I just remember being in a theater, being in tears, like where I, my side was like literally hurting where I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. I laughed that hard. The first time I saw the movie. Now, if you see it, I've seen the movie probably 50 times now over the years. But it definitely was one of the funny, like, you know, with the hair gel. Like, oh, man, there's so many iconic scenes in this movie. There's so many iconic lines in this movie that, and it's hard, it's really hard to pick the number one. But I just remember that kid being in the movie theater just laughing so hard. Like, I mean, I couldn't stop laughing because it was just this, it was, everything was just so left field. Everything was just so random and it just all worked perfectly. My number one R-rated raunchy comedy of all time, Something About Mary, great movie. Just, I mean, hilarious movie. If you've not seen any of my top 10, then you probably aren't listening to this podcast because everyone who's listened, listening to this podcast, I, I hope uh, that you've seen these top 10 movies. Um, you know, if you haven't seen Euro Trip or Road Trip or Sex Drive, I get that. Those aren't, those aren't iconic comedies. But the other nine are just iconic, like stand the test of time, like 50 years from now, uh, you could still watch them and they're still good. It might not be as funny. They might be a little problematic. Uh, but they're just funny. Like, they're just funny. Funny as hell movies. That's my top 10 list of raunchy R-rated comedies. I hope we get some more, you know. Uh, none of the movies that I reviewed today may, are going to ever probably make the top 10, um, but they still are funny in their own right. They're not terrible movies. They're they're funny enough, uh, you know, and you might want to wait till No Hard Feelings or Joyride comes on streaming before you watch it, but you should definitely watch it. Give them a chance. Uh, you know, this weekend is a slow weekend at the theater, uh, so definitely give Joyride a chance. You know, give them, us minorities, man, we need people to go out to the theaters and see these movies so we can keep making movies. Like you have to, like you don't, you want more Asian stories out there. You have to support Asian movies. You want more Latino, you want more black, uh, you want more, uh, I won't, I won't say Indian because they have Bollywood. They're going to make their movies no matter what. And those movies probably cost more than Hollywood movies. Um, you got Nollywood, you know, uh, the African movies, like we, they, they have the means, but in the States, man, like the minorities don't really stand a chance. Uh, but if you want these movies to keep getting made, you have to go to the theater. You have to show them that, you know, we make money, too. We make money, too. So definitely, definitely support Joyride um, and give. I'm telling you that definitely young Asian filmmakers who want to continue to tell their story. Um, and we have to give them a chance. We have to go support them. And this is a funny movie. This is not like a bad movie. Um, so definitely go support, man. Go go check this movie out. It's definitely worth your time. It's funny as hell. Um, it just starts off a little slow. I will warn you of that. Uh, but once it gets going, it goes. <laughs> it goes until it stops. Uh, and I had a good time watching it. But on that note, I will be ending the podcast here. I did definitely do thank you and appreciate your patronage. Keep listening. 
you know, tell a friend to tell a friend, um, subscribe, like, go to the Have You Seen That With T YouTube page, watch the movie reviews there, send me a comment, tell me what you think of the movies. Um, Tell me what, you know, I have a lot of people giving me pointers and I appreciate that so much. Um, You know, I'm working on getting this perfected. You know, a lot of the YouTubers, uh, they don't, there's no such thing as an overnight sensation on YouTube. Um, so I'm working to get, make it all better and continue to work to get it all better. Um, but until that, uh, until then, uh, I'll catch you next time. Next week is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I'm excited about that. I can't wait for it to drop. Tom Cruise, you're almost hit, man. Hey, you're in the 60s, man. It might be time. I think this is the last uh, Mission Impossible movie, the next two, or this one and the next one. I think it's time. Yeah, it's time for you to start taking those old man roles, you know, being somebody's dad. Uh, You cannot play a 40-year-old guy forever. Or maybe you can. Who knows? Maybe you can. Maybe you can, Tom Cruise. Uh, With the power of Scientology, maybe you can play a 40-year-old guy forever. Hmm. Who am I to limit you? But on that note, I'm out of here. (laughs) I'll catch y'all next week.